Welcome to Triggered Wrestling. We'd like to pay our respects to Terry Funk, R.I.P. And Wyndham Rotunda, R.I.P. But also, we're going to discuss AEW Dynamite and Monday Night Raw and everything else we missed in between. So it's going to be a uh, very quick review episode. We're not going to get into too much detail of everything, but stay tuned. We got some Trigger energy. I know I do. So stay tuned. Triggered Wrestling is so awesome. All the way around. That gets me triggered. Ooh, okay. Well, let's go with the bad Trigger right now. See, I'm a, I'm a fan of all of it. We'll force you to watch Trigger Wrestling. Wonderful introduction, Brian, like always. But yes, our condolences to Terry Funk and all of his family. He was one of the greats to ever do it. I'm not going to sit here and say Terry Funk is my all-time favorite. I was a fan of him from day one. I didn't really grow up watching him. But what he did leave behind, he left behind a legacy. A legacy that we can all watch on Peacock, YouTube, all over the place. He did have a great impact in wrestling and was a great friend to a lot of people. Um, having said that, all I can remember from Terry Funk was some of his hardcore matches. I know that was later on and further into his career, but that's how I know him as. How do you remember Terry Funk, Brian? I remember him as Chainsaw Charlie. That's how I remember him. So I'm not going to pretend to know all of his work before then. I didn't see him. I know people say good things about him. I just remember him as Chainsaw Charlie, but RIP, he definitely lives in my memory. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and we interviewed Nick Gage not too while ago, and one of his all-time people that he would wish to step into the ring was Terry Funk. And I hope Nick Gage is doing well because, I mean, I'm assuming he's one of his idols. The man is doing hardcore matches right now or what are they called? The type of matches that he does? Death matches. Death matches, yes. Um, Yeah, I'm sure he's one of his heroes. But my condolences go out to Terry Funk and all of his family. He leaves a great wrestling behind and he was one of the greats to ever do it. And as you guys know, we had started season two already and we're going to try things a little bit different. Please give us feedback if you like this way or if you like the other way that we did it, which was reviews where we review every segment to promo to match. Today, we're just going to review storylines from Monday Night Raw uh, because in a way, it's kind of hard to watch. Um, for example, Becky Lynch, two weeks in a row, comes out to the ring, music hits, is inside the squared circle. WWE Raw goes to commercial. They come back, but then instead of seeing Becky Lynch, we see a recap or some advertisement for an upcoming match or something for SmackDown. Then after that, we go to a backstage segment. Or a promo. Or, yeah, or a backstage segment that doesn't even involve her at all. Yes, and a promo, and then another commercial, and then 10 minutes later, we hear what Becky Lynch has to say on the ring. It's been like the same thing two weeks in a row. It's just hard to keep up, so we're just going to do the whole story all in one go. Before I interrupt you, one of the things I want to do say about Monday Night Raw is like we've had the same main event for like four weeks in a row now, maybe three weeks, where it's a trios matches, right? And it's yeah. the Judgment Day versus some form of Seth Rollins, Shinsuke, uh, Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, Glassbro. You know, it's just some other shit going on, but it's just the Judgment Day and different trios. And I don't like that. It's kind of boring. And honestly, I do like Monday Night Raw, but it's kind of getting repetitive now to the point where it's boring. Um, and that's coming from a WWE guy. Yeah, that says a lot. And here's the thing. I don't mind repetitive matches. Make them a little bit different. Add something to the mix. These all been the same old trios matches. Um, I know I, I defended hardcore the seven series matches between the Elite and the Death Triangle. They had different stipulations in those matches. Make it a little different. Add something to the mix. Add Rhea Ripley to the mix. Add a woman to the faction or the trios that Dark Order from Wish is going to face. It just looks like Dark Order from Wish is pretty much beating up everybody after they lose. 
and somehow a trios match gets made. You know, Riddle was in there, like you were saying. Give us another different main event, you know? A lot of people were saying Gunther and Chad Gable should have been the main event. And in my opinion, it should have. It was a great fucking match. Chad Gable versus Gunther, to me, in my book, that's a yeah. five-star match. That is a five-star match. So, I mean, there's there's good things to talk about it. You know, there's Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle versus New Day. Uh, that match sadly gets interrupted by... Um, by the Viking Raiders. The Viking Raiders. Uh, Chad Gable and Gunther, That that's a good setup where Chad Gable wins by countout. That's going to set up an intercontinental title match. So, there yes. are good things on this show. It's just, is it three hours long? And that's the problem. Speaking of Chad Gable and Gunther, perfect example. First time they faced off, five minute time limit. Great, good. Second match they faced off, little different. One on one, what happened? Chad Gable wins via countout. Great. So that it's a rematch open for payback, and now they're gonna have a, a rematch of the trilogy for the Intercontinental Championship at payback. That right there is great storytelling. Not really a lot to tell. No 30 minute promos here and there. Just go out to the ring, do your thing, and leave a little story as you're making the match, you know. But when you're talking about New Day and Drew McIntyre. New Day made their return against Viking Raiders, correct? Yes. Okay, so next week it was announced that New Day was going to go up against Viking Raiders. And if New Day beats Viking Raiders, they will go against Drew McIntyre and Riddle. So we're getting another rematch. If the New Day win, we're getting another rematch. Come on, bruv. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad the New Day is back. But once again, the Viking Raiders, bro, not my cup of tea here. Yeah, which is great. When they were brought up, they were brought up like a powerhouse. They look like a powerhouse. They look like a team that knew what they were doing in the ring. And then once we get them, they're certified jobbers. Give them a win here and there. Throw them a bone. Uh, It doesn't even have to be against an established tag team. Just bring up two people from backstage that are in catering doing nothing. Akira Tozawa was in ring action against The Miz. Bring up some, some randoms. I don't care as long as they're on TV. Having said that, Akira Tozawa, man, he beat your boy. That wasn't Akira Tozawa, bro. That was LA Knight in disguise. <laughs> With blonde hair? <laughs> <laughs> With blonde hair, bro. <laughs> uh, I still remember Akira Tozawa going up to Cody Rhodes and saying, I want to be your partner. I don't know if you remember that. And a lot of people were making that bleach blonde. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that comparison that they're brothers. Yeah, I do remember that. But the thing that I liked was just he just would kept saying, yeah. Like, you know, like LA Knight. I thought that <laughs> yeah, shit was that funny. That was funny. That shit was funny. One of our good friends, Kevin, that's his thing. LA Knight is his boy. Yeah. But are we going to get a match at payback between Miz and LA Knight? Of course we oh, are. Really? We are. That is definitely 100% for sure happening. Oh, that's what's up. But to be honest, I'm not going to lie. I like this match. Not because of what you're going to say. Oh, the Miz is great. Let's put respect on his name, although some people don't like the Miz as much as others. He has done a lot for the business. Ric Flair put Miz over in Theo Bond's podcast. Miz is a guy that likes to do it all. No complaints, no nothing. Just goes out there, puts a smile on his face, and does his job. Yep. Tell him what to do, and he'll do it to the best of his abilities. No complaints, no nothing. He's the GOAT, bro. He is the GOAT. I don't know about all that, but this match, is I liked it. It was comedic. It was funny. It was entertaining. Miz didn't try to be the copy and paste gimmick WWE's known for, which is be a loser jobber for months, and then I don't know, try to act like a heel. You know, we saw Tommaso Ciampa earlier in a backstage segment do the same thing, talking about do-it-yourself, a former faction of his in back in NXT. Bruh, he's a jobber. Copy and paste booking. WWE, what is he doing? You know, you bring up NXT, and there's something that I want to bring up, is that NXT 
is bringing up their version of the G1 Climax tournament to NXT. I don't know if you they saw are. that. Yes, they are. The Global Heritage Invitational. Two groups, four wrestlers per group. Bro, I'm excited for this. This is something exciting that I haven't seen before. Uh, I mean, I know about the G1 Climax. I've personally never seen it except for the finals, you know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in NXT. Yeah, that is great. Um, A lot of people were speculating, are they going to bring talent from other promotions or just for a one-off? I know WWE used to have something with Evolve. I don't know if they still have that little partnership going on. Who knows, man? I'm a lot of great talent has come out of NXT. Not in recent years. I don't know why. You know, we have people like uh, Killer Cross who's doing absolutely nothing. Borgano, Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, Chiampa, Bronson Reed. Just to name a few that haven't done squad in the main roster. Hopefully this tournament can bring NXT back to his uh, black and gold days. A lot of people like to say that's their golden era. Um, I didn't see NXT, so I'm not going to pretend like I know it. But I've heard a lot of good things coming out of the black and gold brand. Brian, you excited for all that? See the new faces? I'm excited. I mean, they haven't announced who's going to be in it, like you mentioned before. Uh, they're going to be announced on Twitter within over the next uh, week. But, uh, you know, there's some speculation online that people are like complaining, saying that they're copy and pasting and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, in all honesty, everything is copy and paste nowadays. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to bring up to the viewers. Uh, yeah, we started this channel basically with triggered energy towards the promotion, copy and pasting, lazy booking but in reality after watching WWE religiously at the beginning of the year it's all the same everybody copies everybody everybody does the same storylines characters sometimes gimmicks sometimes borrowed gimmicks from other promotions like you said the little G1 Climax so what if New Japan already has an established tournament as a G1 Climax and NXT is doing a copy and paste so what are they gonna sue no it's more entertainment more wrestling people love it in New Japan bring it over here to WWE and NXT Maybe it'll put more eyes on NXT and maybe it'll be dynamite in the ratings. Who knows? Exactly. Who knows? So I'm going to let you all know a little bit into my personal life. I've been dealing with some sick kids. I got a two-year-old. So if you all know anything about kids, it's kind of hard. So <laughs> so I was unable to really watch the entirety of AEW Dynamite. But there are some things I do want to go over here with these shows. Or you know what? I'll let yeah. you go. Adrian, let me let you know kind of what I did see. I did see when the show starts, the Elite come out. They get their entrance and then Bullet Club Gold starts to make their entrance and they get jump started. And then my son just just lost it. So what happened there, Adrian? Pretty much the same thing that happened the week prior when the ass boys were making the entrance. The elite came out of nowhere and did a jump start. But this time it was actually a little different. The Bullet Club Gold did their entrance and as they were making their way to the ring, the elite just uh, stepped out of the ring and met them at the ramp and all hell broke loose in an all out brawl. Bullet Club Gold, the numbers game came into play because JY was in there as well and they ended up beating on the elite. <laughs> Kenny Omega, the GOAT that he is, overpowered the Bullet Club Gold. And as he was going to attack Jay White, out of nowhere, Kanosuke Takeshka comes and pretty much puts a beating on Kenny Omega. So all this is just a setup for the trios match at All In. I think it was good. It's a great way to start because, like I said, we were talking about rematches on Monday Night Raw. It's a great way to not have a rematch and just build up the story, you know, with Kenny Omega and Kanosuke. FTR also came out. I believe they came out to help the Elite. To be honest, I'm not too sure. I think they did. Yes, they did. But yeah, it's all pretty much just a setup. It was a go-home show for All In at Wembley Stadium. 
But yeah, it was a little chaotic at the beginning. The first eight minutes were a little chaotic. I heard a rumor that there's over 90,000 pre-subscriptions for the uh, pay-per-view already. 90,000, and that's only in the U.S. of A. We don't know about the whole world just yet, but I will be tuning in for All In. It's going to be a must-see TV. But before we continue more with AEW, I want to bring up a little story we talked about last week. And that is the Trish Stratish and Becky Lynch feud. As we know, what the audience said to Trish Stratish during her promo off with Becky Lynch, they chanted, we don't fucking care in French. Goes to show you that nobody is excited about this feud. Nobody's excited about this match. Everybody hates Trish. She has done nothing for the women's division, no matter what she likes to say. Yes, she was a first woman to main event Raw alongside Lita. She debuted with zero experience at the age of 24. But you haven't done nothing, girl. And the crowd doesn't care. A lot of people said that if Paula Beck were to just terminate her contract and have Becky Lynch feud with Zoe Starts or somebody else, a lot of people were like that. Similar to Ronda Rousey. You know, people just gave up on her and and it kind of sucks in a way. I know I like to bring the trigger to energy, but it kind of sucks because these women do deserve our respect. But for some reason, they're just not, they're channel changers. I want to say it's not Becky Lynch's fault. She's been entertaining before. She can be entertaining again. I think it's just force-feeding these legends into our television screen. Yeah, next week on Raw, we're going to see a rematch of Becky Lynch and Zoe Starks in the street fight. And then later on, at Payback, we're going to see Becky Lynch and Trish Strategy in a steel cage match. Which should have happened long, long, long time ago, right? Her contract was supposed to end at midnight of SummerSlam, the day of SummerSlam. Make it make sense, bro. Make it make sense. Yep, yep, yep. Right after that, after that altercation with the elite, MJF had a sit down with Renee Paquette. If you caught this, I don't know if you um, caught this early on, but MJF labeled himself as the modern version of the British Bulldog. He also said that a lot of people have many vented a lot of popular shows like WrestleMania. He named up Hulk Hogan, Bruno San Martino, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Paul Levesque. Mind you, he said his wrestling name, not his uh, government name like I am. And MJF will be a giant, just like them legends that he just mentioned. So, I mean, I know it's too early to say that MJF is going to be at the level of these legends, but he's only, what, 24 years old, 25? Yeah, approximately a good 15 years left in wrestling so who knows what mj will be in 15 years will he be in wwe come 2024 or will he stay with all elite wrestling i don't know but i know i'm excited for this match not really excited for the ring of honor tag team match that will be at the pre-show no not for that but i will say this i think for him to reach those heights of the people he named it would have to be in wwe i don't think he's able to achieve that without being in the wwe at least at some point yeah you are correct on that one then right after that, we had a match between Ray Phoenix and Moxley. Phoenix, I don't know if you saw the match. I'm going to tell you right now. Phoenix put on a banger of a show. And the reason why he put on a banger of a match was because of the news broke out earlier on the week. Um, he has visa issues, so we won't be attending all in. His visa got injured, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's probably why he wasn't at the last AAA event. He's doing his citizenship paperwork, and according to all that, technically counting the country for a certain period of time while he's working on that. So, bad news, but good news as well. Phoenix is a well-known luchador that said uh, America has given all the opportunities for him and his family when it comes to wrestling. He knows that American people like him, uh, and there's more opportunities here for him to wrestle, not just in AEW, the indie promotions. And when his contract is up, who knows? They might be a bidding word for him. Uh, we have companies like Impact, 
AEW, WWE, New Japan Strong, NWA Power. A lot of people can sign him. Who knows where he'll be when his contract is up. But just glad the man is doing it for his family. That's all you have to say. Yeah, but his visa got injured in this match, bro. And I saw a video online because after this match is over, they start beating him up, right? Yeah. Then uh, it is his brother comes down to save him with who else? Who else is there? Uh, The assistant. Eddie Kingston and the assistant. Oh, Eddie Kingston, right? And then they're interrupted by Ortiz. And then from behind, they get Santana. The thing I want to say here is that on TV, from what I was able to see, this was really loud and mic'd up. But when I saw the in-house videos of people in the arena, it was fucking chirps, bro. You can't hear shit. Bro, stop. It was quiet (laughs) AF. Nobody cared that these two wrestlers came back. But on TV, they cared. So, Adrian, in our previous episode, we, I made some comments that you could hear a fart because of how well mic'd up that crowd is. Nah, bro. Nah, bro. I don't know what you're talking about, bro. My TV was in a cool 15 volume. I heard everything perfect. But I do like to say a lot of people on Twitter kept saying that Bo Dallas is all elite. And looking at Santana as he was making his way, he sort of does have a Bo Dallas feature, especially with the ponytail. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. I'll send it to you later if you have it. Yeah, I saw it. Bo <laughs> Dallas is all elite. <laughs> so yeah, so that, I thought that was pretty yeah, funny. And, and then after that, when the when Santana and Ortiz leave with the Blackpool Combat Club, the camera pans out to Eddie Kingston and his heart is broken. The man sees Santana and Ortiz as his brothers former faction members in TNA and in the Indies as well. And they've aligned themselves with Eddie Kingston's mortal enemy, and that is Claudio Castanoli. Eddie Kingston, man, he just cannot catch a break. Do you remember, like, for the longest time, it was on AEW Dark where... For no fucking reason at all, it was Ortiz and Eddie Kingston, and then yep. they always were like, "Oh, you're yep. gonna turn yes. on me! Yes. You're gonna turn on me!" Yeah. <laughs> so if you're gonna if you're gonna say that this is long term storytelling, no. bro, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking be so upset. Some Mark will say it's long term storytelling, bros, and this is what you like in your wrestling. No, they're from the Bronx. I know. I think I said it in season one. Again, listeners, back in season one, we were different. We saw wrestling a different type of way. But as we're, what, eight months in, it's there's no ending. If you're going to complain about wrestling, you're not going to be a fan of it because you're going to be constantly complaining about something. Having said that, okay. And you know, at the end after that, when they come back from commercial, the funniest part about that whole segment, Ray Phoenix getting injured, Eddie Kingston seeing his friends leave with the BCC. They go to a backstage interview segment, I guess. And it's the best friends, Benta and Eddie Kingston, watching Phoenix get loaded to ambulance. And who comes out out of nowhere and tries to interview Eddie Kingston? None other than Renee Paquette, the wife of John Moxley. <laughs> Kingston immediately just goes, says, what, what happened, Renee? What do you mean what happened your husband did this he's gonna find out i'm gonna make it right and then he sort of pushes her and i was like oh bro you're gonna fucking get moxley pissed if you're pushing renee you don't mess with somebody's wife like that i know it's for tv but i don't think moxley sees it as that all i want to say is i want to call out somebody because they texted me when this shit happened my boy ricky he texted me and he said and i quote did you see the crack during the phoenix ambulance loading scene and i said i missed it he said after they load phoenix in and penta tells alex to get in the guy that goes in behind alex shows his entire crack <laughs> what the fuck? so i need to go back and watch this apparently because i mean for someone to bring that to my attention it must be funny so i don't know oh shit 
shit. I mean, I wasn't looking for no cracks, but I mean, most likely if it was an oversized uh, EMT, maybe, maybe. Damn, bro. See, yeah, I feel like something like this would have been on the internet, but I have not seen it, so. Nah, but yeah. you know what is on the interwebs, though? This promo off contract signing between Y2J and Will Ospreay. Both men came with some heat. I'm not going to go too detail in the promo. Both men had a lot to say. I'm just going to bring up key topics from both promos. Will Ospreay says that if he defeats Chris Jericho at all, then he's going to be the first man to defeat Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, and Chris Jericho all within two months. That's an impressive feature right there, if you ask me. He said Chris Jericho, Kazuchika Okada, and who? Omega. So two people that have made a living in the indies and then Chris Jericho? Bruh. (laughs) That's, That's not impressive, bro. Um, I don't know. That's impressive to some. He also said that his New Japan contract is up in six months. So you'll know there'll be a bidding war for my man's signature. I know Paul Levesque heavily hinted that he was going to sign a few people after this year's Wrestle Kingdom. He name dropped uh, Tomatonga, Will Ospreay. And I forgot who the other one was. It was a Japanese wrestler. I don't. I want to say Kenta, but I know it wasn't Kenta. Yeah, not Kenta. Fuck it was Kenta, an NXT, bro. right? Yeah, and he was also in the main roster, and uh, he was constantly injured. I mean, I just he was kind of bland to me. Shinsuke Nakamura is better, in my opinion. Oh, of course, Shinsuke. Yes. Oh, speaking of Shinsuke, we forgot. On Monday Night Raw, Shinsuke revealed what he whispered to Seth Pimpinella Rollins' ear last week. Did you catch that? Yeah, he said, make sure you shop at Barrio Toys. <laughs> Buy your tickets for Mick Foley. No, but uh, all jokes aside, um, Nakamura said he, he knows about Rollins' back problems. And that that's something that he's going to be heavily attacking at Payback. So, I mean, I don't know why it's impressive to some. Mm -hmm. It's well known, well documented that Seth Rollins has bad problems for months. He said four years, I think. Seth Rollins actually explained it on Logan Paul's podcast, Impulsive, not too long ago. I think it was like, what, two months ago? So it's nothing that's that's a secret. Everybody knew it. But for some reason, the marks are going wild. Oh my God, I love it when people bring real life stories into play. Bruh. You didn't know about this, but you know Logan Paul and you know of his podcast. The whole world knows this, bro. So speaking of bringing real life stories into wrestling, I just want to bring this up real quickly because I want to speed this up to get to the part that I want to segue to. Uh, we get Darby Allen and Nick Wayne versus the Mogul Embassy, A.R. Fox and Shane Swerve Strickland. They have a match. It's a Texas Tornado match. I don't know if there's weapons because once again, I didn't watch this match. But Darby Allen, Nick Wayne, they win. Then Swerve and the Mogul Embassy kick out A.R. Fox because... Because he's a loser and he can't beat up an 18-year-old. <laughs> he's a jobber, bro. Swerve Strickland said, you're a jobber pretending to act like a tough guy. This isn't WWE. So he gives out the microphone to Prince Nana and says, handle my lightweight. And what does Nana say? You're fired. Not in those words, but he said it. <laughs> Yeah, so he gets kicked out of this faction that he joined three weeks ago, right? Yeah. And then that's when Christian yep. Cage and Luchasaurus come in, and uh, what does Christian say? He says, Nick Wayne, I hear you have a father who is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian Cage continues the war on fatherless wrestlers, bro. That man is a menace to society, bro. He, I don't know what is it about him. But as soon as he hears of a wrestler, father dies, the manager's going to go pray on that kid. I mean, we saw uh, he picked on um, Nick Wayne's mom earlier on the show, or, or I believe it was last week. He also picked on Jungle Jack Perry's mom as well, telling her that you raised a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes, yes, he did. The man has no filter. But I don't know if we have time for this. Um, do I have time for a little prediction episode or a little prediction regarding Edge and All In? Go ahead, yeah. All right, as we know, this story does not make fucking sense. A.R. Fox getting a, a match at AEW Wembley. The man has been with the company for less than six months. So we talked about earlier on, I think it was episode one or two of season two, about how people are just leapfrogging over other individuals in the business. I saw the same thing with A.R. Fox. Why is he getting a match at All In when somebody who's been with the company should be in that spot? Made absolutely no sense to me. Why was A.R. Fox getting a match at All In? I have no problem for somebody who has worked their whole life to get to that stage. I have no problem with it. But I have a problem with people who leapfrog other people at All In. I mean, you have people like QT Marshall, Sonny Kiss, other individuals back in catering who haven't been on TV for weeks and you're going to give AR Fox a match. Nothing against AR Fox, but this is where the prediction comes in. So we know Edge's last match was against Sheamus last week. It rumored that his contract was up, which that's not right. Edge's contract is actually going to be up in late September, if I'm not mistaken. But the last match on his contract, he only had one last match on his contract. He just decided to do it against Sheamus. Kind of random to do it on... uh. On an episode of SmackDown? Uh, that was in Toronto. Yeah. because that show's in Toronto. That's why. Yeah. And now, since he doesn't have a match left on his contract, he can buy out the rest of his contract and basically be a free agent and attend it all in. Having said that, if Edge was going to be at All In, it needed to be against somebody that he knows, he has a history with. So Christian comes into play, right? Christian was not announced for the card at all. We saw this little swerve, blink, blink, this little swerve on Dynamite. So Christian Cage becomes Swerve's tag team partner for All In versus Darby Allen and Sting in a casket match. Could that mean Edge can make a comeback, can make a return to wrestling, including AEW? Who knows? Because there's no matches on his contract anymore. And the man can just buy out his contract now. Is Edge going to be hiding in the casket the entire time? Probably. Bro, stop. And he also released a video earlier today on Twitter, which today is August 24th, that there's no need. There was, I, I can't remember the words. Go look it up. It's on our social media. Follow us at Triggered Wrestling. But basically the report's saying that WWE and Edge didn't come to terms to sign a deal. So... Edge is sort of pissed off. Edge basically cleared the rumors that that's not true. He only had one match left and he just wanted to get it out of the way because it's his time. It's it's when the man wants to retire. It's not when the company says, hey, no, I need you to retire today or tomorrow at WrestleMania. Edge was like, no, today's the right day to retire and then I'll just lay out my contract right now. So that basically kills all the rumors, but there's still that speculation that Edge can still buy out the rest of his contract and become a free agent. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? I don't think he's going to go. Nah, but one little detail I do want to add. In that video clip that he released today on his Twitter or X, he was wearing a David Bowie shirt. David Bowie is a UK native. Could that be a little hint? I don't know. We'll have to see. Wow. But some person we will see at All In is Billy Gunn. Yes, we will. And I still don't care, bro. (laughs) The acclaimed and Billy Gunn will be taking on the House of Black in an open house match at All In. Yeah, this match is mainly brewing in Collision. So if you're not really watching Collision, you're pretty much like left in the dark. But House of Black and the Acclaim had a match, I believe, four weeks ago. They beat the living dog shit out of the Acclaim. (laughs) 
uh, literally gave them zero offense. It was a, a slaughterhouse, if I should say. Billy Gunn got pinned in the squared circle. He took off his boots and speculated that he was going to retire. Uh, later after that, there was a couple of vignettes, uh, funeral vignettes, I should say, where House of Black were saying that Billy has is no more. They grabbed his boots and put him in the incinerator or the trash compactor. And Billy Gunn came back and said that wasn't it. He's going to retire in his own terms and that he's going to be badass. Billy Gunn is going to be at all in. Yeah, so there's that. Then uh, we skipped Ruby Soho versus Sky Blue. Ruby Soho is going to be challenging Chris Statlander. Not at all in. That's probably going to be all out. Probably all out, yeah. And then, see, I just, the way AEW's, like, last couple episodes have been, the endings have just been shitty to me. Like, this main event was uh, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis versus the Hardy Boys for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Like, bruv, you guys already have a match at All In defending these titles. Anyways, Adrian. Yeah, technically the match was supposed to be for the tag team titles. Don't matter who carries them. Kind of like how Dominic defeated Wesley and Mustafa Ali already was a contender. Mustafa Ali didn't care who was going to show up as a champion. As long as he got his title match at the pay-per-view, that's all Mustafa Ali cares. I sort of still don't care about this uh, zero-hour tag team match between Kyle Fletcher and his boy Aussie Open. And we're better than you, baby. I don't know why. A lot of fans like it. For me, I just, I don't, I don't know. Because if they lose, then you're going to have your main event stars lose in the pre-show and then have them go off at the main event. I don't, I don't understand. And if they win, you're going to have a tag team partners face off in the main event. I don't know how, how to put that. Yeah, it's weird. And since we're pretty much done with uh with little reviews, Brian recently said in a controversial take, you said that Enzo Amore is heavily underrated on the microphone. Uh, yeah, I did say that, yes. It's funny because a lot of people are thinking the same way you are. I'm not kidding. Bro, if you read those comments, man, some people are calling Enzo Amore God tier on the mic and that people are sleeping on him, man. Yes. Speaking about that, I know last episode you said he was going to be at New Japan with Jack Carwell and Starboy Charlie. I got let me tell you I seen the match it's fucking great I'm not gonna lie it's fucking great it's funny it's comedic it's entertaining Carwell doing his thing Starboard Charlie doing his thing Enzo Amore doing his antics it's great and that Japanese dude over here wearing a green thong <laughs> yes yeah I saw it I saw it uh Enzo Amore did a crazy ass kind of buckle bomb on the on the ring post to Rich Swan. that shit was crazy yeah yeah, Rich Swan did not have a chance. Um, it was a great match. If you guys didn't watch it, please go on YouTube. Enzo Amore in New Japan. I'm sure that's going to be the first match that shows up since we're getting close to the end of our show. So I'm here to ask Brian, what is your Mount Rushmore of talkers in the wrestling business? Shit. Um, I'm going to go, obviously, Enzo Amore. He's got to be in there because I mentioned that he's God tier on the mic. Second to none, except for maybe these three other guys. Uh, I'm going to go with The Rock. He was really good on the mic. He could control the crowd. Mick Foley could control the crowd when he was evil, when he was comedic. He had the crowd going wild. And I'm going to go with another person, current wrestler, that can command a crowd like no other. And that's LA Knight. So that's my top four. I know some people are going to be like, oh, you left Stone Cold Steve Austin out. And that's the bottom line because I said so. <laughs> but if it was if, if it wasn't if it was <laughs> if it wasn't for that line that he did honestly i think that line of austin 316 says i just whooped your ass is not that great of a line in retrospect the crowd had no pop when he said it the first time um yeah 
I think that's a overrated thing because nobody's really out here saying Austin 316 says I whooped your ass. But people do say just bring it. People say I'm going to kick your candy ass. People say yeah. People say have a nice day. And people say I got a cup of haters. What do you say? Cup of haters. A fist for a cup of haters. People still say soft. Like shit like that's memorable. S-A-W-F-T. Bro, I have the song, bro. I listen to that shit on the regular. Yeah. It's a good fucking song, bro. That People forget that Enzo Amore had the WWE on the palm of his hands for around three to four years. You know, when he was in the tag team division. Yep. Enzo Amore also carried the cruiserweight division, the 305 division. 205 division, bitch. 205. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Heavyweight. <laughs> 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 the heavyweight division 305 <laughs> but yeah 205 205 um he carried that division and he and you know this is the thing so back then adrian neville right Pac. yes he was the king of the cruiserweights and uh enzo mori outshined him to the max he pretty much you know he could be a good wrestler he could do whatever he wants bro but enzo mori was the face of the cruiserweight division no matter how much neville tried yep didn't uh austin aries 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 whatever his name is i keep forgetting they didn't quit because he couldn't beat enzo mori or something yeah he threw a hissy fit because uh they used him as an announcer he tried to be a wrestler again and they wouldn't let him beat Enzo Mori and that's also why Neville walked out on the WWEs because they're pushing Enzo Mori instead of him and at this point he should walk out of AEW too because everybody's getting a push other than oh, him. he's injured but um. I don't care if he's injured bro. I mean if you look at his work in AEW it's the same shit better. he was doing in, in WWE. Better. It's better bro. It's not better bro. He's a member of a trios division. He, he's not even the second best one in that tag team. He's not even the Marty Jannetty of that trios. He's better bro. I would have walked out too because let's face it that division was only based on one man and one man only you praise them all you want but i like people to get over i don't care if people only want oh you're only supposed to get one person over at a time no attitude era days everybody got over during that era 80s 90s everybody got over but for some reason now in current modern times in wwe only one person is supposed to get over at a time nah bruh no other people can get over bro but you got to realize that this was at that time was a, a like a below mid card division it dude it's is. not like there's no cruiserweight division first of all but even now it was like they had the u.s champion they had the intercontinental champion and then they had the the lightweights yeah. you know like it was a lower tier mid-card title and at that point only yeah one person should probably be over maybe two at the max yeah he had that whole division around the ring and he was talking shit about all of them oh i remember that one where he got zero reaction from the crowd that's where i remember him from zero reaction he from the crowd zero, bro Stop. Zero. i'll send you the video right now all right show it to me all right guys this brings us to our end of our episode please go to our website to look at further featured dates if you are in the sacramento area we have a lot of meet and greets at barrio toys we have supreme pro wrestling coming up we also have collectible stampede coming up soon in october and you can follow us at triggered wrestling everywhere else on twitter or x how you call it we are t-r-i-g-g underscore wrestling any final thoughts brian oh just that jd madonna has a fucking funko head and a little body (laughs) (laughs) i got a meme for that (laughs) all right (laughs) well there you go everybody all right guys that's enough for us be sure to look at our all-in prediction video as well but most importantly guys stay triggered bang bang (laughs) 